Welcome to the Sunday Morning Meeting Podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Brian Blackwell. It's great to be back almost in the Holy Land again. <laughs> I'm only 60 miles from the north and it's just... Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, Scotch Corner is the true north. You do know that, don't you? But uh, it's... It, yeah, it's so, but it's, it's so nice to be actually, and it's, it's so lovely to be somewhere where you can breathe clean air. Um, Kath sends a love this morning, but she, she's not well enough to actually come. Uh, Kath's been really ill for the past month, um, picked up that bug, and then the next one, and then four rounds of antibiotics and, and a round of steroids later, it's, it's triggered off the lung disease that she has going on, so she's... Uh, been having trouble with the, the tubes breathing and I'm getting very good at thumping her back but uh, as soon as she arrived yesterday I mean in 24 hours she's just, just sitting you know breathing in the sea air she's she's gone from you know, on a scale of naught to five she's hit one and a half this morning and she's 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 you know on the back again so it's confirmed now the other thing was I was I'm always a little concerned when I come to kingdom faith yeah, because you know sometimes if you I, I, I I've been preaching quite a bit this year for the I haven't been doing a lot of teaching for quite a while, but uh, this year I've taken on a year's, um, twice a month I'm teaching at a church in Nottingham to cover for the pastor who retired. It's a church that supports us in our ministry. And, um, and it is tempting. I, I, I preached what I thought was a pretty good sermon last Sunday. And I was really tempted to bring, you know, just to revamp it and bring it to you guys. I thought, no, come to Kingdom Faith, they'll know. You know, Lord, you've got to give me another one, and I'm, it's you know, it's put a lot of pressure on your morning times with Jesus when you're kind of thinking, I'm coming to see you lot on on Sunday morning, and praise God, the Lord gave me something on Wednesday in two Corinthians eight, which you're going to get this morning, and then when Brian was coming up and along here, it's so nice when some people start prophesying, and you think, thank you, God, I'm I'm on I'm on track, I think. So uh, you know, when you hear the voice, Lord's voice. So this morning, I want to talk to you about passing the sincerity test um, because it's something the Lord's been challenging me on this week so um, can, uh, being a wizard oh, with um, technology um, I'm hoping these magically come on um, I've just finished going through this month I've been having my morning walks with Jesus in the vineyard going through the book of 2 Corinthians which is not an easy book and I got to, and I think it was Wednesday morning I'm um, I'm kind of wandering around uh, 2 Corinthians 8. And this verse leapt out, the scripture at me, because I was puzzled for a while. Paul says, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. Test the sincerity of your faith by comparing it with others. I'm sitting there thinking, what on earth is going on here in the scriptures, Lord? Because comparison is not healthy. We're told, Paul is specific in 2 Corinthians 10. In Galatians 6, 4, he talks about, let each of you be satisfied with your own work and service, so that your reason to, be, to boast is in the Lord and not in others. Because when we compare ourselves with others, you're always on a lose-lose. You either come up short, I can't play the drums like Daniel. I can't play the guitar and sing like Alex. I, you know, I'm a, I'm, you know, I sound like a frog you know, in, a, 
thing. I, I, I can't preach like this person. I can't do this like this person. I can't garden like this person. You always, you know, you either come up short or you pick the person who's at the bottom of the food chain and go, oh, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like them. <laughs> it's always a loser. Both are wrong. And yet Paul here is, you know, is saying, I, I'm, I, I want to compare the sincerity of your love with the earnestness of others. And he's actually talking about the, uh, the churches in, uh, in, I think he's talking about the Macedonian church, in the Philippians at the time. Because actually the context here is, it's actually a chapter where he's talking to them about being generous and giving. And this is, I'm not, you're not getting to talk on giving. You, you know, I should, that'll be next week. Um, but the context is the idea of in generosity, but, but actually the principle is in everything. Because the focus of what Paul's actually talking about is a thing called grace. He's talking about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ in his, gener- in, in his generosity, and we compare it. But he's talking, so he's not talking about comparing ourselves with others so we can find out, you oh, know, I'm doing okay. Or we're a better church than that church, and what have you. But he's actually focusing on some of the the benchmarks, some marker points in our life. Because actually, as we journey in the Christian life, we need markers. We need benchmarks every now and then. Am I am I on track? Am I still on the race? And I'm running. And this is what he's talking about. And it can apply to every area of our life. So, for example, um, if you put the next one up, the picture. I've got a new bike. My 30-year-old mountain bike, which weighed about four and a half ton, um, and, and nearly killed me. This is team. This, these are my. The, these are the three men who hold me to be my best. Um, and we did a. Every year we do a charity thing from you know from the the charity that looked after my granddaughter when she was when she was going through her uh, you know her cancer treatment. Um, so we do a thing for Click Sergeant. And so I go bike riding. I've got a new bike, which is a fraction of the weight, and it's oh, it's wonderful, a new mountain bike. But when I go on my on a bike ride on Thursday, I went out for a 17-mile bike ride around the Leicestershire countryside in the morning. I've got my Fitbit, which rules my life now. <laughs> if it tell, have you got one of these? Every now and then, it'll give you it'll buzz and say you need to do 235 more steps this hour, and I get up. And there's some guy in Los Angeles who's telling me what to do with my life. I'm thinking, this is terrible. But I, but, but I get my Fitbit, and then by some miracle, I link it to my phone, and, some, and something in the cloud, which was a mystery to me, to me. And so I go on my bike ride, and it actually it tells me how many calories I've burned. It, it puts a Google map up for me afterwards. I, I, I know where I've been, which I already do know where I've been, because I've just been there. But it's... But, but when I go on my, you know, but when I go on my bike ride, I've got markers. I've got. I know where I want to get before I stop. For, you know, I'm I'm a control freak. I know where I want to get before I stop for my first drink. I know where there's the biggest hill that's coming up, and my challenge for the day is to get to the top without getting off and pushing. You know, you know what I mean. You have these markers through through uh, you know, through there's, I got lost this week when I went out, and that's why I did 17 miles, because, I mean, it's amazing, the little country roads around Leicestershire. So I have my phone so I can ring Kath to say, don't worry, I haven't been run over. I've just actually lost, and I'll be back, you know, one of these days. But, um, <laughs> but 
I set markers. That's the way I do it. Jesus does the same for his disciples. He sets us markers. This is a marker that Paul has put out. It's the sincerity test for our love in Jesus. I'll give you some moments of Jesus. Just next slide, please. Jesus, for example, this is a great... If you, ever, if you want to do fun Bible studies, this is a great one. Jesus gave us four markers about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, if you have, been, if you have asked Jesus to come into your life as, as your saviour and your lord, by definition, you are a disciple. A saint. You are disciples. However, there are markers of there's disciples and disciples. That's just the way it goes. Jesus gave us some markers. He gave us four. If you go, first one, if you, if you like these verses, by the way, uh, the Bible says that in Galatians that you are heirs and inheritors of the promises of God. So if you like any of these verses, you can have them this morning. I'm giving them free. You can take them with you. Just, and just, but these verses, transfer, they've been transformational in my life. Luke 14, 25 to 27 is a horror. He, anyone who loves father or mother more than me cannot be my disciple. You know, it's the one way he goes and talks about, you know, if you deny, you take up your cross daily and follow me. A mark of a disciple is someone who puts Jesus at the first place in their lives. One of the tests, am I doing all right? Is Jesus number one in this or am I just doing my thing and I'll tell Jesus how good I am later? That's, it's the wrong way around. It's one of the great markers. The, second, the three actually come in John. John 8, 30 to 32. You'll know the end of it. You'll all know this verse. It says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you. Yeah, that's verse 32. 30 to 31, Jesus said, whoever would be my disciple, whoever continues or holds to my teaching will be my disciple. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. A disciple is somebody who continue. it's the continuous tense, continually holds on to the things I say and doesn't. My, old spirit, my spiritual daddy is a, an Irishman, and so he comes out with strange things every now and then. And one of his little phrases was, Brian, you can only be set free by the truth you know. You cannot be set free by the truth you don't know. So... The challenge for a mark of a disciple is, do you know the truth? Are you keeping in the word of God? Are you keeping pressing on with Jesus in the scriptures till you see his face and then doing what he tells you? That's one of the marks of a disciple. John 13, 34 and 35, if you're at my age, you'll, you'll be able to sing it. A new commandment I give unto you that you love... You're not my age, I knew that one. Now, that was something in like 1980. You know, but, but this is the, you know, Jesus says, if you love one another, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. So a mark of being a disciple is, guys, are you loving one another? And now, I know you guys do in one sense, but I mean, that's not a kind of a, a squishy, cuddly kind of love you. It's just so nice. Just, we'll have a hug later and just, um, just feel, feel the love. But loving means serving, listening, caring, giving, empathizing, being there for people. When Kath and I were, over the past four years, as you know, it's been a very tough time for us since we lost our granddaughter. Those periods where the Lord and I weren't on speaking terms, I was really ticked off with God for what he did. I, I wasn't, I didn't feel the love of God in my life. 
But people, I saw the love of God because people came around into my life and they loved on us. They came and cried with us. They came and just you know, did stuff with us and for us. And we experienced that's what love is. Love is something that, you know, that it, Paul talks about that you know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. It's not a kind of love stuff. But it's one of the marks of a disciple. And John 15, 8. By this you will, be, you will bear much fruit, so proving to be my disciples. Now, I don't want to give a sex talk this morning, but, but he's talking about, this is the passage about, he's talking about grapes. I am the vine, you are the branches. Every branch that, bears, that abides in me will bear much fruit. Do you know what a grape is? To, you know, to, a, to, a, to a vine? It's, it means that the little boy bit and the little girl bit have had sex. It's the reproductive bit. When you're eating a grape, you're eating a baby vine. <laughs> so you vegans out there remember that. Um, okay. Okay. Now, I know there's the fruit of the spirit and all that, can, you know, and that can be the fruit. But here, Jesus is saying that actually, if you're one of my disciples, your desire is that you make me known to your community. It's a mark. One of these, we need these little testers. Now there are many more on the journey, and this one I'm t- I want to focus on now is the sincerity. You know, he wants our love and the sincerity of our love is a mark of our discipleship. The words. Let, let me give you a bit of Greek. I'm not going to give you the Greek word, but do you know what the word sincerity means in Greek? It means without wax. It's a crazy word. It's love. Without wax. And what it means, what, what, what you're telling me is, potters, you know, when these guys do this thing with clay, which I can't do, but, I mean some, but they, and they make a pot, they get, they get the pot ready that they're going to sell, and then they put it in a kiln, and the, the oven, and they heat it and bake it for a while. So then they take the pots out for the next stage, which is the glazing, and they put a glaze on it, and then it goes back in the oven and gets refired. Is that about right? You're nodding, so you must be pottery type people um, sometimes on that first when the, the pot goes into the oven into, into the kiln um, it, it might be a bit of too much moisture in it or something for some reason but sometimes the pot comes out and there's a, it, it's got a crack in it well nowadays you know it would go through the quality control and, go, and it, it just gets smashed up and reground and ready to go through the system again but if you're in, in that, their culture, and it's like this is, a, you, you know, you spend a, a bit of a time making this pesky thing, you, you know, your livelihoods do it. So they had, a, they used to, they had a cheat built in. What they would do is, oh, there's a crack in that one. So they would fill the crack with beeswax, fill it in, wait for the wax to set, and then they put the glaze on top so that the glaze wouldn't run into the crack. And they so they put the glaze on the top, and then they'd fire it. Because in the kiln, the wax would all burn up but the glaze would be covering the crack so it would come out and it would look like a perfect pot and so it would go on the stand if you're and you're coming along thinking i need a new pot you know new i need a new urn or i need new you know i'm for so you're coming along you're looking for your pot if you were a discerning shopper what they would do is that you would, you would look at the pot and they would hold it up to the sun and twist it around and turn it because looking to see if the sun shines through the glaze and there's a crack. If they could see a crack, it was an insincere pot. It looked perfect. 
but it had a crack in it. You know, you could fill it with your liquid, with your wine or whatever it was, you, you know, your grape juice or whatever it is, you, you know, your Kiora or whatever you're doing in those days. But, and it would hold for a while, but after a couple of weeks, you know, they didn't have dishwashers, so after a couple of weeks, it would, it would come through the glaze. And they, but they, and they would think, oh, I've broken it, I better go and get another one. It was, it was a con. Paul is saying, check the sincerity of your love, guys. When I hold you up to the light of Jesus Christ... Are any cracks, or is it, a, is it a sincere pot? You know. Now, I know we have this treasure in earthen jars. I am a cracked pot, but how is my love? Paul says, I want, you, I want, you, I want to see, are you guys just going through the motions of being, because I don't know about you, I am, I am a creature of habit. I've been doing this Christian thing since 1973. I've been a professional Christian for 40 years now. I've actually worked for God. Yes. So I, I, I know how, how to put a good veneer on and put good. I, need to, I know how to cover my cracks. You know, I can, you know, I can tell stories, I can make people laugh, and I can do this kind of thing. And I know when something in here, it's not, you know, as Paul says, like a noisy gong or, you know, dung or a clanging cymbal. You know, it's like we can pull the, you know, I go to an Anglican church. Everybody in my church is fine. You say, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? We're a bunch of, we're, you know, 700 hypocrites in our church, you know, because we don't say to them, actually, I'm a mess. You know, Jesus saved me, but I'm a real mess when he proved me. You know, I have this thing about, why is it very fine except me in church? But um, sincerity. So from time to time, I think it's really important, guys, to give ourselves a little sincerity check. Just hold ourselves up to the light of Jesus and say, how am I doing? That's what I've been doing. On the 11th of April... I had one of those milestone birthdays. I was 65. Some of you, half of you are going, I thought he was older than that. <laughs> Knew the half going, he can't be that old. Really? 65? Anyway, for those, the first, second lot of you, go to Specsavers. <laughs> but it, in one sense, it's just a number. In another sense, I've decided this is my year of super jubilee. I'm going to celebrate being 65. The first thing was that Theresa May and her government became my biggest financial supporter. <laughs> I, get, I get my state pension. <laughs> I get a bus pass. Anyway, that's, the, that's the perk, because I'm still working. So the next year, the Inland Revenue will think I'm wonderful, because I have to pay more tax next year. But a lot of th- you know, I know most of you are all like 20-something, but, I mean, but strange things happen to you when you, you approach 65. A lot of people get interested in you that you didn't know, thought about you. <laughs> so the first thing is I pulled, the, the, my doctor's surgery ring me up and they pulled me in for an MOT. <laughs> Apparently, you get one when you're 65. You get, I mean, you know. So I get, I mean, so, I, you know, they, they sucked blood out of me and they did me breathing and I did all sorts of stuff. <laughs> this bizarre, I had this bizarre, I've got this like 16-year-old GP. I mean... <laughs> And I'm sitting down, and I sit down and he says, you can call me Shiv. So he's, he's an Asian lad. I said, I'll call you doctor if it's all right. He said, he said, Mr. Black, he said Mr. Blacklock, I've got good news. I said, oh, I like good news. But uh, he said, uh, for a 65-year-old man, you're in fantastic health. Apart from the high blood pressure, the di- type 2 diabetes and the cancer we treated on your nose, you're in phenomenal health. <laughs> so I thought, what's good news? Apart from, anyway. But I get that. I have people 
ringing me regularly, wanting to know, assuming I've got this fantastic pension pot, and they want to look after it for me. How kind. I get emails regularly asking me if, I, if, I've, if, I've, if I've actually putting money away for my funeral. You know me. I mean, you, I mean, you've had these as well. I've been invited. Would I like to go on a cruise with people older than me who I didn't want to go on a cruise with in the first place? But, would, but Saga would love me to go on a cruise. So they want me to sign up for their magazine. I hate, I've never been on a cruise in my life. I can't think of anything. I mean, it's not my thing. So I, do I need a chairlift? <laughs> Incontinence pads. Have you had all that? I got, we got one. It said, do you still, do you like, do, do you still listen to the Eagles? If you do, you're probably this age. And they tried to sell me a chairlift for up the stairs. I mean, it's quite depressing when you get, you know, the, the th- but you get all these messages saying, Brian, you know, you've, run, you've, done, you've done well. It's about time you put your feet up. You know, get your million pound pension pot, buy your Maserati. Oh, the other one I get is, why don't you, why don't you mess your kids up for their future inheritance? Why don't you sell your house to us now? And you can live on it and, and you know, have your holidays and, and eat, drink, and be merry. And when you die, we'll take the house. And, you, and, you know, have you seen those? I mean, how shocking is that? <laughs> kind of, but it gets into your psyche. It gets into your mind. In 20 years' time, Brian, you'll remember this. Um, it gets into your mind. And you start thinking, yeah, I have, you know, I think I do deserve a rest. You know, I, I have, you know, it's about time others picked up the baton and, and ran with this thing. I've been flogging my guts out for 40 years doing this navigator thing that I do. Right? Oh, lovely. That's br- yeah. Brilliant. There's a guy in town with a sign up saying, forget about Jesus. So, Lord, we just, just want to pray for this guy right now. Would he have an encounter with you? Lord, when we leave today, would we bump into him and just say, hey, I met Jesus this morning. I can't forget about him. Lord, I pray that as well, that people would uh, see it and, and it would cause the uh, exact opposite of what he wants. That people would go past and think, Jesus, I haven't thought about him for a while. Lord, uh, use it for your glory. Amen. So I'm just telling you, that's the journey I've been on. I've had to go um, through a thing. Now, I've realized that there are some truths in these messages I've been getting. I realized recently that I'm not Peter Pan. I was playing tennis with my son, and I pulled a muscle in my leg, and I realized that I've, I've not made Wimbledon this year. My, my tennis career is over. I'm never playing again. It was the first game in 20 years anyway. I have this split brain. One half of my brain thinks I'm a Jack Russell Terrier. The other half says, Brian, you're getting on. This half says, if the ball comes over the net and you can't reach it, don't hit it. This side goes, there's a ball. I can get that ball. <laughs> have, you, have you seen that? So the, and, there was a, and my son lobbed one of the, <laughs> and the Jack Russell won, and I went to get it, and bang. And, it, you know, and anyway, I've officially retired from tennis, never going to play again. It's a dangerous sport. So I've realized that I actually, there are things I do need to take a bit easier in my life. Kath and I need time to recoup when we do lots of trips and ministry things. 
and what have you. So why not retire? Well, there are big changes coming up in our lives. You know, Kath is 65 next year, and we've handed our resignations into the navigators. Um, August 31st next year, we will officially retire as the regional directors of the navigators of Great Britain, and hand it on. I'm demob happy. I'm, I'm actually I'm quite excited about it in one sense because that's the right thing for us to do. Uh, we don't need to do it, but you know, we, we, we need to relocate. Leicester is, is the asthma capital of Britain, and when your wife's got a lung disease, it's not the best place to breathe. So we need to uh, relocate. We've got various health issues. So, and we're taking them really seriously. But there are some things that never change. There is no retirement in the kingdom of God. I have looked. I've, I'm, I'm sure I know my Bible. If there was a verse in there, I would find it. There isn't one. No, end of Numbers 8, it talks about the Levites kind of changing at the age of 55 on the, on the work they do. But, it, but it's, it's just changing from the physical stuff to, uh, to the rest of their life being the ministry stuff. So thinks, There's no time limit on being a disciple for Jesus Christ, guys. The great commandment to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and our neighbours as ourselves. And the great commission to make disciples of all nations only has one expiry date. And that's when the, Lord, the trumpet sounds and the Lord Jesus comes back because the Great Commission will be fulfilled in that moment in time. And we'll do it. We only run a race well, says Paul, if we run it all the way to the end. Acts 20.24 20, says, Paul says, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul puts it this way in Philippians as well. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attain the resurrection of the dead. Not that I've already obtained it or have already arrived at my goal. And he wasn't doing all right. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Keep going. Second half. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I pr- straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize which, Jesus, which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if some point you differently, then God will point that out to you. As a young couple, when we, uh, in, in 1980, we left our teaching jobs and joined the Navigators full-time to work with students in universities. And Kath and I sat down, and we came up with our own vision statement for our lives. Can you pop the next one up? And this is our vision statement. We want to win the lost, help build up the saved, and train and equip laborers or leaders who then can be thrust out into the harvest fields of the world... To, to, like, to help fulfill the Great Commission. We've done that for 40 years. That, doesn't, that is not stopping. That is what we want to spend the rest of our lives doing it. When I was a young man, I, I, I loved memorizing scriptures. Now, I, I, now it's a struggle because it, it takes me about a month to learn a verse now. But... When I was a young man, I used to memorize all these verses like, do not let them despise your youth. Or, it's good that a young man bears the yoke. 
you know, I, I, and now I don't memorize those verses. I've just dumped them. They're, what a waste. <laughs> now I've got, you know, Joshua 13.1. When Joshua was old and well advanced in years, the Lord said to him, you're very old. But there's still large areas of land to be taken over. I was young, but now I am old. Yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They're always prosperous and, will, and, and lend generously. But I've got a verse for the rest of my life. And if you're anywhere near my age, you can have this one. It's a belter. Psalm 71, verse 18. Even when I'm old and grey... Do not forsake me, O Lord. And Brian prophesied this verse this morning. Until I show your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. Isn't that brilliant? Even when I'm old and great, says the psalmist, Psalm 71, 18, do not forsake me, O Lord, till I, tell your, I show your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. I've decided I want to actually spend the rest of my life until somebody needs to chew my food for me and... and you know, and I'm too goo to do anything. But as long as I have life and breath and everything, I want to be able to show that the next generation, that actually this adventure with Jesus Christ is worth it. It's not Camelot we live in. The last four years of my life have been the worst years of my life with losing my granddaughter and seeing my family. Bad things happen. You know, one of my closest friends, same age as me, retired, Retired two years ago, and within, within three weeks of retiring, he's diagnosed with motor neuron disease. Paul knows him. We've, worked, we've ministered together for years, and I'm, I'm meeting with my friend. It's a tough journey. Actually, we, he, I go around to encourage him, and he, he just tells me what Jesus said to him that morning, and, it, and we have a great time. But the adventure is worth it. And, if, and the world, I'm telling you, older guys, the silver surfers and all this lot, I, I, I'm, I've joined a club called Silver Surfers. Do you get that? I didn't join, they just send me stuff. I'm, I'm in it. But, but anyway, it is incumbent on my generation to show the next generation that Jesus Christ is the best news ever and we need to follow him. And the generation still to come. So, that's my challenge that I'm going through this week in 2 Corinthians 8. I, I hate having a personal challenge. You've got to share it. So, it's your turn. Are you okay with me? So, how are you doing this morning? Is it time, you know, just hold your pot up to the light of Jesus this morning. The light that shines in the dark places. And say, and how are you doing? Okay. Is, is any cracks? How's your routines been going? I, you know, sometimes we, li- we get into our Christian routines and it, and it and goes on. But actually, you know, the fire starts to dim. The passion starts to dim. So, next, can, I, can I just do these one at a time? Oh, next one, please. Whoop. How about your love and passion to know Jesus more? On a morning, are you, are you excited about getting... Up and spending some time. I was so excited this morning getting up because I stole Paul's study. <laughs> and I sat in his chair and, he, he's, and he's, I can hear Paul going to Kath, is Brian in my study? <laughs> he doesn't do, he just looks out the window. The view is incredible. You need to go and visit Paul in his office. Um, but I was so excited to meet with Jesus. I was looking out over that wonderful bay and 
just enjoying some time in 2 Corinthians 13. I'm also, every morning, I spend some time with David Suchet. This has been my, my, my move into technology. But if you, if you have the, um, the Bible gateway, I think it's called, you, you, there's an audio Bible, and David Suchet, you know, Inspector Poirot, who's a, a fabulous Christian, reads the NIV. So he reads it in the morning. It's like, it's wonderful. Uh, me and David spend some time with Jesus together, and I have some thoughts afterwards. So how is your next one? How is your time that you spend meeting with Jesus? Are you getting quality time, guys, every day meeting with Jesus in whatever way that works for you? I'm a Bible pen and notebook kind of person, but, you know, we all, we're all different. But are you getting that quality time each day? Or is it a bit rushed? You know, and it's got a bit stretched. Oh, I'll catch up at the weekend type system, and you never do. Let me just chance, you know, in the sincerity of love, to make that a priority. It just so happens that I can recommend a little booklet. <laughs> and if you want to start, lend it. Special offer, pound fifty. Your faithfulness in obeying his voice. Have you been coming in, sitting in church or in, or in, your small, in groups or in, in the prayer times and the Lord's been nudging? Sometimes he, he kind of he presses that button and nudges you. Week by week, and it's, you, know, you need to do this. You need to show this love to this person. You need to listen to this person. You need, you need to minister in this way. You need, whatever it is for you. My personal one, I have, I've got neighbours on either side of me. Mike and Kathy live on one side, Dave and Tina on the other. Mike, uh, we've lived together next door since 1980. We were the first in, in 1983, and by the end of 1984, the other two families had moved in. Mike and Kathy and their daughter, we led to Christ in about 1980. No, about 1986 and 87. Really close friends. They're doing great. Kathy's now our church warden at our church. Dave and Tina, I worked out in 30-something years we've been living next door. I've been in their house three times. We say hello when we put our bins out. on them. They are very private people. That's just the way. They're, I mean, they're a lovely couple, but they're just very, very, very private. And I'm suddenly realizing, you know, I've never told Dave about Jesus. I'd love to, he knows what I do. He used to... He used to laugh when all the students used to put their bicycles against. <laughs> they all put their bicycles against the fence. Forty bicycles against your fence does not do your fence much good. It, it, I mean, it actually collapsed one time, and he was so nice. He built the fence. I said, "I'll offer to pay for it." He said, "No." He said, "He said I love the students." He said, "Especially when they go down the street at, at midnight singing." <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, it's great. I could leave next year having never told Dave about. The life of Jesus, that is so important to me. It bugs me. So the, the, my faithfulness in the Lord, that, so recently we were putting the bins out, and I said, Dave, I, I just realized we haven't had a good chat for ages, <laughs> like 10 years. Um, and he went, yeah. I said, do you fancy there's a new coffee shop opened up in the village nearby? Do you fancy going for a walk and, and, a, and a, a, a coffee and a catch-up? And he went, yeah, sure. Yeah. So I'm praying because you know, like, I know it's going to be like two weeks before I catch him again. But, I, you know, but I've started because actually the Lord is saying to me, Brian, why, you know, you know, why are you traveling all around the country telling people about Jesus and your next door neighbor doesn't know? So that's my one. Are you loving and serving others? I'm nearly, nearly through. Are you loving and serving others? Because that's what the great commandment does is. Are you being Jesus, the next one, to your neighbors and your community? 
One of the things I love about this church is actually you feel as past, you, you're the pastors for, for the city, of, or the town of Scarborough. I love it. Our church in Canada, we had our, our vision statement was to be Christ in our community and to bring our community to Christ. Best, best church mission statement ever come across. I helped write it, so that's why I'm biased. But, but it is brilliant. But actually, you are the only gospel your, your neighbours are ever going to read. So... You know, is there somebody this morning that, you, that comes into your mind that the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, how about inviting that person into your home? How about when you're walking the dog? I think I'm gonna, we're going to get a dog. We've got to get a dog, I mean, once, once we settle down. Because walking a dog, people talk to you when you walk, especially if you've got a, you know, a nice-looking dog. <laughs> and people who go on dog walks together talk. Like, I mean, what a fantastic way to share Jesus. We're having a dog. So we're going to get a dog. Um, we nearly got one in Crook. That's another story. But, um, so let me challenge you this morning. The sincerity test. Does this, does this make sense? Yes. So uh, let me, I want to pray for you. This morning. I'm saying that because I know me. And I, there's a tendency in me to let the, my love and my passion grow cold unless I get a kick from the Lord every now and then, unless my brothers and sisters hold me to be my best. So I know, so I know that's true of you too. So this morning, I, wanted, I just want to pray, and I want to ask the Holy Spirit to actually shine the light of Jesus on that pot of yours. And if there's any of these cracks, if any of these, or any, whatever it is that the Lord's saying, just for you to come to the Lord and say, Lord, so sorry about that. Just, uh, just fill in that crack, and help me. My love, I want my love to be sincere, no wax. I want to be, I want to, so that your glory comes out of this pot, not mine. I'm not going to compare myself to others on better than those or worse than those. But actually, I am going to compare myself to Jesus and to those who've run the race before me and have run it well. And I want to be that kind of person. So let me just pray for you now. Gracious, gracious Father, thank you that we look at one who ran his race so perfectly to the end. No, no cracks in his life. Your son Jesus was fantastic. And we want to, as Paul says, I want to look to Jesus. I want to become like him. And I want to pray for these beautiful people here this morning. Father, would you just now, just send, your, as your spirit is here, your presence has been so with us this morning. Would you touch each heart now by your Holy Spirit? And Lord, if there's any insincerity in us, it's a strong word, but Lord, any cracks, in the name of Jesus, we just ask, would you forgive us? Would you pour your forgiveness into our hearts? We, would re- we receive your forgiveness. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to, to, to take the next step forward in our faith and our journey of running this race well. Lord, quicken our hearts again. Lord, that, that we want sincere love. The love of your son Jesus, but love of one another. So Lord, I pray now, you just, whatever it is, this area of our, my life that you want to just to, to fill in the crack, to make whole again, and lift my life again back to in, in my eyes to your throne. In Jesus' name, I ask that now. Amen. If you'd like 
somebody to pray. I'm cutting and running. I mean, I'm, I know some of you, you know, there's nothing on, on the TV this afternoon, so you've got all the time in the world, <laughs> which is great. But So if, if you'd like to pray some of that through, and Brian and Sean are here, and Adrian and, and Kate and Paul are here, please, you know, I think it's best if you pray, you know, you, you chat that through with them and pray because these are the people who will help you be your best. I'm, we're heading back to Leicester on Wednesday. So uh, once, once we've holidayed in this luxurious Airbnb we've got and, and uh, Paul's. So would you do that tonight? Okay, Paul, can I hand back over to you? Thank you. Oh, hallelujah. It was good, wasn't it? Encouraged? Hallelujah. Hopefully those of you that are, you know, patiently waiting a certain football match will be similarly encouraged this afternoon by the result at the end of it. Hallelujah. Um, Claire. Yeah, that was unexpected, I know. But also, if you did want to pray with somebody, um, could some of the team ministry prayer team that we set up at this come forward and, and be part of that? Yeah. Okay, so there will be people that you can pray with as well if you need to. All right, be blessed. Have an absolutely fantastic week and uh, see you as soon as possible. God bless. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.